did you know that according to the Libraries Offences Act 1898, that the act of gambling in a British library is illegal? Illegal. Be careful what you do in the library. Did you know, and this is going to disappoint so many of you, it is illegal to be found drunk in the pub. Be careful. Um, did you know that members of parliament are not allowed to wear a suit of armor inside parliament? Some did know that. Did you know that if you lived in London, uh, it is an offense to beat or shake your carpet or rug in the street? If you move to London, be careful with your rug. There are lots of these old laws that are still in existence today. Uh, and I wonder what we uh, think of them. And I wonder what we think of the old laws uh, of the Old Testament. What do we think of uh, them today? I wonder if we have a similar view uh, of them as we do with some of those old laws that you could spend hours and hours reading online. Maybe we think that they're, they're of no uh, use any longer. That was then and we can leave them behind and have nothing to do with them. Well, this morning we continue our studies in Matthew's Gospel and uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and Matthew uh, writes these words of Jesus in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus this morning uh, speaks to us about the law about the Old Testament. The law and the prophets speak uh, of the whole of the Old Testament. Uh, and these verses, especially verse 17, are, are key verses in helping us to understand Jesus' teaching uh, throughout this gospel. And so Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets. Uh, the whole of the Old Testament, I have not come to abolish that. The implication is that uh, some people were claiming that that's what Jesus had come to do. Jesus had been going around teaching and speaking. Many people had heard him. Uh, and it seems that some were saying that Jesus had come to do away with the Old Testament. He, this new teaching of Jesus, uh, he comes and he's throwing away all that was said uh, then. It's something like, uh, the Old Testament says this, but I'm teaching you something completely different. Jesus refutes that claim straight away. He has not come to abolish the Old Testament. He has not come to get rid of, rid of it or loosen it, but he has come to fulfill it. That word fulfill uh, appears 16 times in Matthew's gospel. 12 of those times are in reference to a prophecy being fulfilled. The other times, uh, including our passage this morning, uh, that word is used to point to completion, to make full. So later on in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 13, when it was full, the fishermen pulled up on the shore. Uh, when it was full, it's the same word that we have here in verse 17, fulfilled, to fill up, to complete, to bring uh, to completion. And so Jesus came 
to fulfill the law and the prophets. He came to complete, to fill up the Old Testament. He didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. And so it's useful to think about what the Old Testament is, what it contains, as we think about Jesus as the one who fulfills it. The Old Testament contains the law, revealed instruction to his people uh, from God. And Jesus fulfilled it all by his person, uh, his teaching, his work. Jesus fulfilled it. My favorite bishop, uh, Bishop J.C. Rao, puts it like this. The Old Testament is the gospel in bud. The New Testament is the gospel in full flower. The Old Testament is the gospel in the blade. The New Testament is the gospel in full ear. The Old Testament contains prophecy. It looked forward to and anticipated the day of the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled it all. Everything that said, was said about the Messiah in the Old Testament uh, is fulfilled, came to pass in Jesus. And that's implied in verse 17, uh, where Jesus says, I have come. Jesus is the one who is uh, the promised Messiah. Easter is just around the corner. Uh, and you'll remember one of the famous Easter readings as Jesus walked on the road to Emmaus with those two disciples. Uh, and in that conversation, what does Jesus say? He said, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what all the prophet he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus fulfilled it all. The Old Testament contains ceremonial law, priests and sacrifice, and Jesus fulfilled it all. The Old, Test Old Testament sacrificial system was just a shadow of the one who would come to be the once for all sacrifice. That sacrificial lamb who gave his life on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Jesus fulfilled it all. And the Old Testament contains uh, moral law. And Jesus fulfills uh, that. He obeyed it all. And he will go on uh, to show us what obedience will involve for his disciples. For those who live in his kingdom. Jesus came not to do away with the Old Testament. Not to do away with the law. Or to change it. But to fulfill it. And he will show us at the full depth of its meaning. It was always designed to point us to Christ. And it is only he who shows us how we are to relate to it. And so we can't do away or ignore the Old Testament. Jesus doesn't allow us to do that. This week I was listening to a podcast uh, Heresy Half Hour is brilliant. Uh, and this one was about uh, a second century heretic called Marcion. And uh, he uh, wanted to do away with the Old Testament. And so that's what he did. 
he took the New Testament, he rewrote it, uh, taking out all references to the Old Testament, including verse 17 of Matthew 5 uh, here. But his followers went a step further. Uh, they rewrote this verse, verse 17, uh, to say, I have come not to fulfill the law and the prophets, but to abolish them. And so they take it a step further. That's what Jesus said. He'd come to do away with the Old Testament. We still hear of that heresy today. Some still call for us to do away with the Old Testament scriptures. But Jesus didn't come to do that. He didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it. 4, verse 18 in Matthew 5. Truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus came to fulfill the law for there is a permanence to it. None will pass away. Not uh, the comma uh, that is written, not the smallest stroke of a pen. Think of a C uh, and an E the smallest line that distinguishes the letters. None will pass until the heaven and the earth pass away, until the new creation comes. Then it will be fulfilled completely. Jesus came to fulfill the law for there is permanence to the law. Therefore, verse 19 Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, connecting us, uh, making this connection between uh, the law, the Old Testament, and living in the kingdom of God. Therefore, because Jesus came to fulfill it, not to abolish it, and because not the smallest letter or the uh, smallest stroke will pass away until all has been fulfilled. Therefore, greatness in the kingdom of God will be measured by conformity to it. Even the least of these commandments of God uh, cannot be ignored because they are commandments of the king. To live in the kingdom of Christ is to live in obedience to the king. But don't mishear what I'm saying and what Jesus says here. We don't obey to earn our way into uh, his kingdom. That's not the admission price. We are part of that kingdom through faith in Christ as we repent and believe in him. Then, as we live as his people, as citizens in his kingdom, that is lived out in obedience to our king. As we live in obedience to God's word, it will show us to be part of the kingdom of Christ. And Jesus says something really shocking in verse 20. This way of righteousness has to surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We can miss the impact 
of that. We can miss the surprise of what Jesus is saying because uh, I wonder if we have this image of the Pharisees uh, as like pantomime baddies. Whenever they come on the scene, the crowd boos and jeers at the Pharisees. But the Pharisees were respected. They were respectable. They were held in high esteem uh, in the culture. People looked up to the Pharisees as the ones who were the example to follow. They were the role models uh, of, uh, for people to look up to and to live up to. They were the stand-up characters of the society. You could say they were like uh, Nike, who were famous for making trainers. The Pharisees were famous uh, for being righteous. They lived in obedience to the law of God. They'd worked out that there were 248 commandments and 365 prohibitions, and they worked at keeping all of them. And Jesus now says, your righteousness, if you are part of my kingdom, is to surpass that, is to be much better than the Pharisees. The, the disciples would hear that, and I'm sure they would begin to think, well, that is an impossible task. How can our righteousness surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? Well, as we'll see as we go through this chapter, uh, it must surpass, our righteousness must be better than the righteousness of the Pharisees, not in quantity. We're not on a, on a, a scoreboard of righteousness. If the Pharisees are reaching uh, 200, we've got to reach 201. That's not what uh, Jesus is saying. It's not in quantity that, it, that we're, our righteousness is to surpass theirs, but in quality. Jesus shows us uh, that it is the heart, a righteousness that comes from the heart, from the heart, uh, that means that we surpass the righteousness uh, of the Pharisees. They were all about the external, the outward appearance. Later in Matthew's gospel, um, Jesus says some very harsh words to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He, he says, uh, woe to you, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside uh, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Jesus is pointing out that their righteousness is just external. It's an outward appearance. But Jesus says, uh, to be a citizen of my kingdom uh, is more than that. It goes deeper uh, than that. It goes deep uh, within. It's a righteousness uh, of the heart. And as you'll remember, uh, the Lord looks at the heart. He sees uh, the heart. And that uh, is what the law was calling for uh, all the way. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. That is what the law called for anyway. Not just the external but a heart, a heart uh, of righteousness in the way that we kept the law. 
And one of the great blessings uh, of the Messiah coming of Christ, uh, bringing his kingdom near, uh, was, first of all, Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And Ezekiel 36, 27. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The spirit writes the law of the Lord on our hearts. And so that the obedience of God's people as part of his kingdom is an obedience that comes from the heart that has been transformed and changed by Jesus. And Jesus goes on to show that in the, the remaining part of the chapter. He gives six examples of this uh, deepness, this uh, greater righteousness and what that looks like. He's saying that uh, if you are part of my kingdom, then this righteousness that comes from uh, the heart will be evident in uh, your life, lives. And as you go through that, uh, we see how Jesus deepens uh, the meaning of the law. Six times he says, you have heard it said, uh, but I tell you. The Pharisees uh, kept the law to the minimum that they could. So they would say that they had never uh, murdered anyone, so they kept that law. But Jesus deepens that law by saying, uh, if you have hatred towards somebody within your heart, then you break that law, that commandment. If you harbor bitterness and hatred towards uh, your neighbor, uh, you break uh, that commandment. And so we see in all these six examples that Jesus deepening the meaning uh, of the law. It's all about uh, the heart. We're not going to go through uh, these this morning. Otherwise, we'll be here uh, for a long time. But I want to encourage you that when you get home this afternoon or at some point during the, the week, uh, to read through again uh, chapter 5 and see how Jesus deepens uh, what the law meant. To see how he says uh, that this righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is to do with the heart the heart that has been transformed uh, by Jesus. And ask yourself as you read it, do I see these attitudes uh, that Christ speaks of in my life? Do I see genuine love, integrity, holiness? Jesus is pointing out uh, that um, being in his kingdom it is more than just what it looks like on the outside of our life. It's deeper than that. It's a righteousness. It's an obedience that comes from the heart. A heart that has been transformed by Jesus. A heart that loves Christ. A heart that seeks more and more each and every day to live like Jesus lived. To be more and more like Jesus, our Savior. A deep righteousness of heart where the Holy Spirit has written God's law upon it. Right at the end of chapter 5, uh, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
be like Jesus. Be obedient as he was. And he enables us to be like him. Are we becoming each and every day more and more like Jesus? Do our lives show this kind of righteousness? Do our lives cause others around us to say, what has happened to you? Why are you different? Well, it's because we have a love and a care for the things of God. Do our lives show that we are living as citizens of Christ's kingdom? We are to trust and then obey. Obedience doesn't get us into the kingdom, but it does show that we are part of his kingdom. A righteousness of the heart, a changed heart, will show itself then uh, on the outside in how we live and treat uh, others around us. And that's one of the great uh, ways of making the gospel known to those around us. That our Christ-likeness, our holiness, um, causes people uh, to see Christ, to ask questions, to want to know more uh, about him. One writer said, where there is a holy church, there will be a hungry world. And so let's work at that. A righteousness that comes from the heart out of love for Christ. Christianity is not a tick box religion. And if that's how you see things, then you need to come to the king today to recognize what he has done for you. He uh, fulfilled it all. He was perfectly obedient. He gave his life on the cross uh, for us who have failed at keeping God's law. Then, as you trust in Jesus as Savior and ask him uh, to change you, uh, then you will have a new heart with new desires to please our king. There's that great uh, hymn that we sometimes sing. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. And notice the order. We trust and then we live in obedience to the King.